This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast And now, your hosts Always Remember Others Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to I think it's like the 253rd, 250th It really doesn't matter what episode The 330th Yeah, there you go um, We do have a new intro It is a new administration We have to take some of the old voices out And bring some, well, old voices back in And some yeah, put some uh, new some, ones in. Some good, it's you know you haven't even heard it yet, which is interesting. Um, it's a little hip, so I, hopefully you can you can handle that. Second, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in fear of loathing, when he's like, he can become hip, exactly, cool or groovy. So, um, look, I think we got a I think we got a good uh, episode tonight. Uh, a few things to wade through before we get to the injunction that really will make up the meat of this episode, and I think. You said that before. By injunction, do you mean like we're we've got an order coming from a federal appellate court? Oh like no, we can't it's, a, it's a debate injunction. The injunction ah. stands X, Y, and Z, and I think um, I think that you and I see very differently about this, and it really is more probably about my emotional um, and even sort of forward projections. So it's it's less about constitutional law, and I think that could be problematic and and. Obviously, we'll, we'll flesh all this out, but it is about the impeachment, <clears throat> rather the acquittal of former President Donald Trump. Before we dive into that, we also have an educational and a bizarre segment that we'll dive into. And even before that, I will say, wherever you are on planet Earth, thank you for tuning in wherever you are getting your podcast. But we pretty much are found on every platform, uh, Podomatic being our hosting site, but Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, <clears throat> I'm missing some, Stitcher, Pandora, Pandora, iHeartRadio. So, so wherever you're listening, uh, we appreciate that. But if you want to leave comments, uh, you can go to our uh, modstate.com forward slash Podomatic and you can get the episodes there and, and leave some comments. As some always, of you, you can, are weird. <laughs> they're, y'all are weirdos. But, um, but, if you, you read some of that? Oh yeah, I'm I'm in there all the time. Uh, and if you don't feel like you'd like to leave your comments, uh, so you can be seen in public, always send them over to modstate at modstate.com. All right. <clears throat> okay. Well, what do we want to start with? We want to start with educational or bizarre. You take the. I mean, alphabetical. Go with the the Navy and UFOs. That's that's. Let's get Fox Motor with this. Right, let's, let's get, get weird. <clears throat> let's get weird. All right. So. The reason I wanted to um, follow up on this as a bizarre is because just recently we had done a bizarre segment about basically the Department of Defense or the U.S. government was going to release uh, um, archives and classified information about UFOs. Well, that has happened. Quite frankly, I don't know that there is even anything about what they found at this point, but the information actually is public. Uh, The provision follows a banner year for UFOs when startling footage of an unidentified object darting around several U.S. Navy planes in 2004 and 2015 was finally declassified. While the new data dump is significant, it also is just a drop in the bucket of the Black Vault's enormous archive. And this is Black Vault is a private institution that's taking a lot of this information. The website reportedly contains more than 2.2 million pages of UFO-related material in its archive, which um, this reporter obtained through more than 10,000 FOIA requests, which I believe is a Freedom of Information Act request. 
according to the, are, yep, according to the vault's website, Greenwald filed his first FOIA request in '96 when he was just 15 years old. So basically, they also um, this data dump arrives months before officials from the U.S. Department of Defense and intelligence a- agencies are due to appear before Congress and spill their guts about everything they know about UFOs. <clears throat> a provision attached to nearly a 5,600-page COVID-19 relief bill passed in late December um, requires the agencies to submit a report within 180 days. So, and of course, although the CIA claims that this is their entire declassified collection, surprise, surprise, there's no way that we can actually verify that. So, um, we haven't quite found out everything we need to know. We will never find out, uh, probably, anything of substance, I could imagine. But, interesting enough, we'll just follow, keep following the story here at Mod State. Here's why this is this is actually pertinent because no, nothing of there's not going to be any dun 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 moment because people get killed over that kind of information. But the reason this is actually pertinent to me on an everyday framework is because uh, even just a decade ago, it was mostly Navy pilots. I'm not specifying the Navy here, but it was mostly Navy pilots. They were ostracized and their careers ended for saying, even mentioning what they saw. Well, when you see a flying object that suddenly makes 90 degree turns, we don't have any equipment like that. No nation on the planet does that we're aware of. And these pilots, I mean, careers ended. Because they said, hey, this thing on the visual recorder, they would even have video. And yet their careers were over, basically. I mean, working a radar tower in Alaska. So that's, to me, the, the, the application of this, the practical application. Because, no, I, there's not going to be any big revelatory, well, we've known this since Roswell in the 40s. What? No. Again, people get killed over that kind of information. But... I think I think it's important because at least there's a mechanism now to where these pilots can report it and and not feel as uh, helpless, helpless probably rather. You feel like they're Fox Mulder. Yeah. So more to follow on that. Um, so that concludes bizarre um, because there really is more to follow. And what I'll do <clears throat> is I'll post obviously this. Um, this is from LiveScience.com. I'll post the show note. Uh, in the show notes, and so there's actually a link to the Black Vault's um, uh, website, and then also the, you can download the records that the government dumped. So I'll make sure that that gets in the show notes for anybody that's a UFO junkie. And if you are a UFO junkie, you probably are like, yeah, donkeys, this is an old story. Um, and you already know where to get the data anyway. So educational. Um, I'm going to defer to you on this one because you are you presented this one to me just about 15 minutes ago so i'm still processing it we didn't really have one folks in in full disclosure here but it was it was fascinating to me because here is how cool of a guy i am if y'all needed further proof um i was watching (laughs) i can't even say it with a straight face i was watching c-span 2 this morning and there was a segment that was originally taped on January 21st um, on a, a show called Book TV. I mean, we're talking about all kinds of cool here. But it featured, uh, her name is Annie Jacobson, 
who is the author of a book called First Platoon. And she was joined by Max Brooks, who is the author of the novel behind the film World War Z. Uh, yes, of Brad Pitt acclaim. But the, the, the entire segment was called Biometrics and the Surveillance State. And this was something I knew we did it. I didn't know it was to this, this degree, this severity. But in our wars... La guerre pour toujours, the forever wars we've engaged in since 2001 in the Middle East, um, we have basically any any opportunity given, taking fingerprints and blood samples, etc., in Afghanistan and Iraq, and thusly been able to say, hey, this drone over here, that guy hiding in a hole 500 miles away, drop a bomb, kill him. Sounds, you know, maybe a little dehumanizing, a little concerning, but then the whole point of the segment was when you apply this to the ever-expanding police state here in the United States, where we answered post-9-11 that we were more concerned with security, quote, than individual liberties, it becomes rather concerning because even if you are 100% innocent of a crime, you're still fingerprinted. Depending on the crime, you may have your blood drawn. If you've been in the military, you're definitely in the system. And so the implications were, were very were very broad. And I mean, I know I know I mentioned in a much broader context precast when we talked, and maybe you can help me out there, but um, it, the implications are concerning not just because of our involvement overseas, but because, like I said, we we were we answered a long time ago, and, and um, people are tired of hearing me beat the drum of the Propaganda Act, but the sequence of events, okay? So after 9-11, the Patriot Act, where under suspicion of terrorism, quote, you can have habeas corpus suspended, right to uh, free trial jury of, by jury of one's peers. Um, you can have the Fourth and Fifth Amendment suspended, you can be detained indefinitely. The Propaganda Act gets suspended in 2011, 2012. And again, I, I'm not anti-police. You know this. Anybody that's been listening to us knows this. I'm anti-police state. And this is an entirely different discussion. I don't think we want to get off in it. But this is where the corporate censorship also feeds into this for me. But that's, again, a different topic. But basically, Max Brooks, the author of World War Z, makes an interesting point that this is where fiction, science fiction, can help our populace engage in uh, better civics. Because a lot of people, they start hearing a lot of data, and, and God knows, don't get in the weeds on economics, but, and they start drooling and, and zoning out. But it can give it a veneer of something interesting and people pay attention. And he made a good point. And I don't know if I even said this to you, Precast, but Max Brooks made a really good point when he said, the biggest problem now, and I thought, well, I've heard several variants of that story, but do continue. Um, he said, the biggest problem now is civics, high school civics classes. And I, I, I was listening to this and I went, wait a minute, what? But he said, most young people today, and even some 
lower millennial, you know, lower elements of the millennial generation can't tell you, oh, there's actually three branches of government. They can't tell you what a filibuster is. They can't tell you what a quorum is. And they're not even getting that deep in the weeds. But his point was, really, I've got an idea. He said, let's have our veterans getting out of the military. Um, let's create a, a pipeline in law school and transferring one state to another be pro hoc fee chain, but let's create a pipeline where they can become teachers because they're largely patriots, obviously. They understand the functions and the roles of government. They understand what the Star Spangled Banner and the, the Pledge of Allegiance means, and they can actually teach, hey, this is, this is how this works. You, know, you don't just, hey, say we're going to do this you know, I, I mean, I'm probably butchering this, and I can provide you the link to what. But it was interesting to hear um, this segment on basically how our surveillance of a foreign country, that, that apparatus didn't just spring to life in Afghanistan. The DOD clearly had that capability already. So it kind of fed back into, dear God, you just think that up overnight, did y'all? Which, of course, they didn't. No. So it, it was a very interesting segment, and right. I'll send you the All right. So for that, we will get show notes for um, – or in the show notes, we'll put the link to – is it the C-SPAN 2 actual video, or is it the – Well, I've got the images from C-SPAN 2, but I, I, I'm sure they have transcripts. I'll, I'll send you. It's Max Brooks, who, again, authored – um, World War Z, Perfect. and then the book they were actually promoting is Annie Jacobson and its first platoon. And it's about, and she made an interesting point too in closing this this portion out. She said, unfortunately, in today's politics, the VA and Veterans Affairs has basically been seating seated to the Republican Party. And she said, whether you like that or not, she's not a Republican, by the way. Um, but she said, basically, it's like. Okay, if you're not a Republican, it's, hey, we need to take care of our veterans in a story. He said, but and she made an important distinction to me in that she said, yes, the military and the military industrial complex needs to get off its high horse. But we also need to, to, to realize that whether we agree with the cause or not, that these men and women have served their country and served it well and paid a, a very dear cost. So it was it was a very interesting segment to me. Hmm. Well, let's put it in the show notes. And I'm actually, I mean, I like Max Brooks. World War Z is great, and um, I've never read it's the book. Movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Actually, it makes me want to read the book because I mean, usually you think, okay, two fiction authors talking about biometrics and national security. This is going to be a drool fest. Actually, it wasn't, but. Maybe I'm just a wonk. Nah. All right, my friend. You ready for this? Uh, you ready for this portion? <laughs> I know you are. Ah, not really. Look, last night I was. Um, yes. <clears throat> well, yeah, I was. I was upset last night, and and I I told myself that I was going to do a solo segment just to get my thoughts out. Um. And I never, Did I, I, it didn't. Um, and I don't necessarily regret it because I, I was able to sort of calm down and come off the ledge. 
And I know that there's a good probably chunk of people out there that are like, dude, you're getting um, making mountains out of molehills, and you know, I guess it's, it's, I it's an that. opinion. No, not not necessarily you, but um, no, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't treat your concerns. We, full disclosure, folks, Nate and I talk ad nauseum about this stuff offline, and we had a, a very vigorous text-based debate on this. I threw new. I, I threw new no punches. Um, so the way I want to um, tee up this is with the way you you may do it with uh, like an Oxford style debate, and that is an injunction, and it's basically a statement, and we are going to take opposing sides to that statement, meaning. One of us will agree with the injunction, and one of us will disagree. And what is the statement? <clears throat> the statement is full disclosure. He did not let me know this before now, folks. All right, wait. So we can we can have two. We can pick the injunction we want to to discuss. Okay. So the first injunction is America is more vulnerable now that Donald Trump was acquitted by the Senate. The injunction could probably also be written as America is stronger with the acquittal of Donald Trump from impeachment, which one would you like? I mean, it's, yeah. it's really semantics. That's lousy. I, I, by no means do I feel good about what happened. So I don't, I certainly wouldn't go with the latter. Okay. So the injunction injunction will stand as America is more vulnerable now that Trump or now that former president Trump was acquitted. So the injunction is America is more vulnerable, vulnerable, now that former President Trump was acquitted in the Senate. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I agree with that from the outset. I want to be clear, but I I also can't argue that the, the recent uh, transpiring of events was positive. But anyway, do continue. Sir. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously there was the McCarthy revelations, and you know that I will definitely be talking about that. Um, and, of course, we'll also be talking about um, a bit of um, – history with Trump. So, but what I wanted to start with, I think is, I feel like there are two people that have summarized how we um, independently feel. Um, one being Alan Dershowitz, and I will play part of a video of him discussing setting the precedent against free speech. And then I'll also play um, the more emotional, heartfelt um, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's thoughts um, post the impeachment. So I'll do that right now. Um, and this first one would be um, Mr. Dershowitz. Which which one? This is the um, him saying that Trump's impeachment sets a precedent against free speech. Because I mean, both of them were God, but anyway, do yep. it. All right. We should not be compromising free speech in the interest of ending a term four or five days earlier. It will stick with us forever and ever. This will be a horrible precedent. And mostly it will be used against the left. It will be used against radicals. It will be used against civil rights activists. It will be used against women and African-Americans and others who are protesting for good things. Remember, when the precedent is established against bad people, it then is used against good people. That's why I'm fighting for the First Amendment. Okay, so that was the first one. Um, you know, I think before we dive into this, um, well, first off, do you think that I, there were several videos, and I hope that that one captured um, a bit of your point. 
Well, it's 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 not so much not so much by point, but a bit of context here for folks. Um, we're talking about a lifelong leftist who is a professor emeritus at Harvard Law School, by the way. Um, and to me, you you can't have it both ways: the intellectual and moral high ground, and then discount said professor emeritus at Harvard Law School. Um, and he's someone that has. I believe he said never voted Republican in his life. He opposed Donald Trump both times around. And what what he said in, in a, an extension of one of the two clips that I sent you is that, look, what happened in the House, a conviction or an impeachment in under 40 hours is dangerous. There were no defense witnesses. There was no legal representation. Yes, the president wasn't, the former president was invited to testify before the Senate on his behalf, but the impeachment, again, in under two days with no, no witnesses, no representation, uh, that was the beginning of one of the clips that I sent you when um, uh, Mr. Dershowitz said, look, clearly he was denied due process. And to, I, I don't know if anyone else has a problem with the violation of the Fourth Amendment uh, uh, right against unreasonable search and seizure, uh, the, the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think, and that's the basis, and I'll let you continue, but that's kind of the basis of where I'm coming from here is not that it was unconstitutional, because I've kind of shifted from that, because we do, we have impeached the Secretary of War in the 19th century, and our legal system outside of Louisiana, which is based partly on Napoleonic Code of, of France, but our legal system and the majority in this country is based on English common law, and it did exist to impeach uh, and, and, and quote, I, I don't say this snarkily, but quote, punish former leaders for misconduct. I get that. But the, the, the precedent was dangerous. And also, I, and we can get to this later, but I think the charge was improper. You know, because it, to the intent to incite, I, I think a much better charge that was, would be much more valid and much tougher to defeat would have been dereliction of duty. Unfortunately, the Democrats, you can call it whatever you want. In my mind, it's just ineptitude that they didn't go with that. But let's 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 proceed. And I think that's going to be an interesting point because, well, anyway. Um, so the, the, the Schumer speech obviously was quite a bit longer um, than that clip, so I won't play all of it. And quite frankly, I only believe that just a few seconds of it sums up the rest of the entire speech. Um, but here is... Um, Senate uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. It propelled a mob to violently prevent the peaceful transfer of power, subvert the will of the people, and illegally keep that president in power. There is nothing, nothing more un-American than that. There is nothing, nothing more antithetical to our democracy. There is nothing, nothing more insulting to the generations of American patriots who gave their lives to defend our form of government. Look at what Republicans have chosen to forgive. The former president tried to overturn the results of a legitimate election and provoked an assault on our own government. And well over half the Senate Republican conference decided to condone it. The most despicable act that any president has ever committed and the majority of Republicans cannot summon the courage 
with a morality to condemn it. All right. I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, is he wrong? I think it's duplicitous. I, I, the the worst act, I don't know. I, I, I would have to go back to 1860 and what James Buchanan did in de- deliberately hamstringing the Lincoln administration coming into office. All right. Is is Chuck Schumer wrong? Is he it that I mean that's what happened, right? Well no, but I mean the worst, the most despicable act. I would have to go back to eighteen sixty to James Buchanan. Let's say he 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 recharacterized it and he said the second most despicable act. Is he wrong? That's and did in almost entire Senate, or excuse me, majority of the Senate conference, the Republican conference, rather, vote to acquit him? The, well, the, the maybe the look, most second most heinous act. I, I know you don't like this, Nate, and, and this is where we kind of got set up last night, the last two days. I know you don't like this this answer, okay? Um, but we've talked about this before, and you as well acknowledged that, you know, we're, we're talking about a man with no governing ethos, okay? That do I think from the minute the whole thing began intended what happened to happen. No, I do not. We both discussed this ad nauseum. Um, but we're also talking about, I, I, I've watched this, I've watched this speech live and then I've rewatched it twice and then I've read the transcript twice. Said, so now we're gonna peaceful, you're gonna peacefully and patriotically march down to the Capitol and tell you, let me look up the, I've actually got it on my, my text here. Um, and, and I'm not splitting hairs with you here. I'm, I'm, not, his, I'm not his lawyer, and I, I, I'm long since been done carrying water for the man. Marching over to Capitol Hill to peacefully and patriotically make your vo- voices heard. Now, you could make the case that he waited far too long to get involved and say something. And that's where I come from and saying, well, if you wanted to make a case against the former president, then the charge of intent to incite it was asinine. I, I don't know what the Democrats were smoking there. The case you would want to make is dereliction of duty. They did not make that case. Okay. So then I ask you, would well, the I mean, outcome, would, no, hold on. Would the outcome like probability wise would there be a higher outcome or a higher chance of conviction if the article had been changed to dereliction or is this party so deep up Trump's ass yes do you think he would have been acquitted you really think all those republicans out there were just like you you know what it's if it had been dereliction we just would have done it we would have done it if it was dereliction it was just semantic there was the wrong article you're, you're talking to me here not lindsey graham i'm I'm just asking, would well, it have made a damn me, bit of difference? And that's you what asked matters. Me if there was a higher chance. Now, remember, you two days ago, nor did I, think that Burr or Cassidy were going to vote to convict. Now, that's the truth. So you're, you didn't answer my question. I'm, I'm, would there I'm, have I'm, been the same outcome if it, the article, if you know what, it just was the wrong thing? 
you know, if it was dereliction by God, we would have done it. We, our hands were tied. We just couldn't set that precedent. Well, again, first of all, I did answer you. You said, would there be a higher chance? Okay. Now I'm saying, would it have been, would, would it have changed anything? I don't know that you would have gotten 17 votes. I can't verify that one way or the other, but again, so, that was my second point. You didn't see, nor did I, Burr of North Carolina or Cassidy of Louisiana voting to convict. It now be real. It still doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change a damn thing. But this, in the spirit of it, it does though, because I mean, based on, on this very dystopian worldview, you have the GOP, there should have been no Republicans that voted to convict. Well, there were seven. So, I mean, in answer to your query, yes, I think the outcome would have been higher. I don't know, maybe 10, 11 senators. It wouldn't have convicted him, mm. but that's not really what you asked me. No, I'm Is asking it? you, would it, have made, would it have made a difference? That it was that the Republicans are just so letter of the law, all of them. It doesn't mean that they're all balls deep, excuse me, rather, the former president's balls deep with them and their constituency, and they had to make that choice. I, I think there is a world where that could have happened. Unfortunately, and this is not a defense of the, of the Republican Party. I mean, I, I get called a rhino, and I'm going, hold on a second. The party moved, not me. But, uh, you know, again, like I kidded earlier, there's, it's me and four other Nixon Republicans. But I, I think there is a world where that could have happened with the charge of dereliction of duty because that's far broader. I mean, you got to think okay. intent to incite is such a high bar that's, that's very difficult to measure. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a next question and I, I'm, I'll be done with the grilling here because I, well, I'd no, like no, to get no, onto I, some more. I'm not, I'm not running for anything. We'll, we'll get to more of the substance as the meat of our arguments here. But again, so we're, we're talking, we've had a number, so we had a conversation about, okay, sure. different, Different article. Would a different article made a difference? No. We we've kind of established that no, that would not have that would not I mean, have made a difference. It might have. Okay, so my next question, you said, you know what, because dereliction, it's more broad. Okay. So my question is, so you think, do you think because again, it's sort of like the it's sort of the analogy of well listen. It's just uh, due process. We just can't do this trial this quickly. We just we have to obstruct this. We can't get it started. Um, but we can well, after. I didn't, I didn't hold on, hold on, case. hold on, hold on. The president. We can't do this until the president's out of office. Okay, now the president's out of office, and now this really isn't constitutional, guys, because he's not in office anymore. So it's kind of that. I um, make that case. Well, the uh, it, it's it's. Um, I'm pointing this out. I'm not saying you made that case. So. So now we're talking about, um, uh, well, hey, listen, we'll, we'll do the trial. It's constitutional. Um, we all voted on that. Um, but, hey, look, wrong article. Should have been dereliction. Be, look, if it was dereliction, it would have been a, a broader article. There would have been more, there, you know, there would have been more um, arguments made, supposedly. You mean to tell me that the Republican conference would have been super fine with this really broad article on dereliction of duty or they most likely have been bitching and moaning at the ambiguity of a dereliction article the same way that they just can't seem to find anything wrong with what the president did because the article um, of impeachment was too specific i'm just i'm just pointing out so which are you more upset with are you more upset with the conduct of the president allegedly 
or the behavior of the Republican conference? Because it seems like you're raising two different issues here. I'm, I, they're, they're, we can, I don't, I don't understand how making that distinction it, it does because on one hand you're saying, okay, it wouldn't matter either way. I'm, what I think what we're, we're, we're doing is we're, we're, I'm working my way before we, we really dig into this injunction. I'm and, just kind of confused what you're getting at. My point is, you, and I'm more upset well, I'm, with I'm, Trump did or what the GOP conference did in response. I'm, I'm, I'm equally okay. enraged I, I was by both of them. I asking for clarification. I'm okay. being contrarian. Please continue. No. I mean, what, they're, they're two separate things, right? Okay. So, okay. Um, so anyway, so again, the, we've, we've sort of established that it really wouldn't have made any difference. Most likely wouldn't have made any difference to the majority of the Republican conference, be the, broad, the, the article being wrong, either too broad, too specific, or so article differentiation, um, anyway, um, I think they could have applied. Here's where I think it might have made a difference and maybe might have been only four or five more Senate votes. And I get it. You need 17 Republicans to cross over to convict. I get that. But don't tell me that it would not have made a difference if 15 had. Yeah, it wouldn't have convicted him. But I mean, would it, it not says, have been a stronger statement? I, anyway, I think that the the point I'm making out here is um what you know? What was the true reason why the majority of the Republican conference did not um, feel comfortable convicting this president? Which, by the way, is not a criminal trial. It's not even a civil trial. It's an impeachment trial, right? So let's probably, <laughs> if I had a window to bet at, now I cannot verify one way or the other the intent of their hearts. Okay, every politician has their own constituency. Yeah, everybody yeah. writing checks. But if I had a window to bet at, it would be political expediency. Okay. And right. That's the honest truth. All right. So let's go on then to the injunction again. All right. America is more vulnerable now that Trump was former President Trump was acquitted by the Senate. So the, the I became fairly impassioned um, when this ended. And I think a bit of our text exchange went back and forth. And I had said, you know, that I'm, you did. I had said that I was. Like I wept today um, when I watched Trump, the for, former President Trump, be uh, acquittal from the Senate uh, from his impeachment conviction. Um, and you said uh, we went back and forth about you know the reasons, the specific days we were we were upset, and one was the sixth. And I had you know I said no, I didn't weep on the sixth. I wasn't crying on the sixth. I wasn't. Because and and you had mentioned you said well why and I said because we all saw it coming and and if, we can probably go through back at least the, this last year if not the last four years of podcasts and I I'm sure that we can find me on a number of occasions saying this is going to end poorly this is going well, okay. to end poorly That's and then within odd. and then within the last um, several months especially post election. Um, the threat of political violence was increasing and it eventually culminated on an insurrection at the Capitol. And so no, uh, we, no one, I certainly was not surprised. I was shocked that it actually got to that point. Um, that place specifically, you know, I thought it'd be more, um, state capitals, uh, but the Capitol building, the federal government, certainly I was shocked by that. Um, 
but that that's the history, right? The uh, you know, I, I just called audibles, right? It was a, as objective as I could be. So this is going to end poorly. This type of rhetoric. How many times did I talk about the president's rhetoric over and over and over? And it was like, wow, well, you know, the rhetoric. It's you know, we've talked about being a troll. We talked, but it's very specific, and what that rhetoric is what caused the sixth. I think that's well established. And to, to argue against that, I think would. I think I don't know that I'd be able to have that argument. Um, and that's what culminated on, uh, and that's, I mean, this is why we had the impeachment, right? And so I think it is important to look at that history and to be able to establish that he's been inciting this since before he became the president of the United States. There's, there's, well, just, and, see, and I realize now we're going to play this game. Hold on. Now we're going to play this game. It's going to be like, well, the the letter of the law um, and listen, this is where the injunction becomes important. Is it more important in a case, in an impeachment case from this president, is it more important to f- walk the principled line of the law as how it might apply to an impeachment um, and stand principled by the, the confines of the Constitution? Is it worth it to do that to put the republic at greater risk? Again, this is not a Supreme Court um, no, it's case. not. This is not. <clears throat> this is an impeachment. That is it. More important to find, uh, walk the line of 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 what the, the the confines of the Constitution, or recognize that this is the most destructive force, internal force, that America, domestic force that America has ever seen. Um, and that's that's what we have to parse through. I think you and I. Because I respect your principality to the Constitution, to the First Amendment, to free speech. I do. I'm not going to disagree with you on the importance of 1A. But also, where are we, um, where are we willing to draw the line? And I'm not saying that I know the exact line that needs to be drawn. But what I do, well, what, what, but, do. but what I do. What I do question You're is do what I do question is what precedent. So Dershowitz talking about how what we do in this impeachment trial will somehow be used against civil rights leaders in the future. Well, I, 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 can't, I, I don't know how far he's reaching there. Quite frankly, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I know well, there, was, there was a whole four minutes worth of audio there. Um, so you you played a very small sample of mm-hmm. what he said. Um, I'd like to preface this by saying, first and foremost, again, I've said this before in this podcast, and I'll say it again, but when David Duke and Louis Farrakhan got banned from social media, I protested, okay? Not because I agree with either anti-Semite. I certainly do not. So I'm saying that to establish my bona fides here that I'm not parsing, oh, suddenly I side with Donald Trump on the First Amendment. Um, well, look, and but, I, let me take a moment to acknowledge that statement that I also agree that you have been very um, equitable in your uh, free speech defense, right? It has been on all spectrums and all types of people. So I want to also voice that before we continue this conversation I because I don't that. want to make it sound like I don't believe that you somehow are such a Trump fan or a Louis Farrakhan fan. No, I think you're a constitutional fan and, and I respect I, that. So I appreciate that. Um, the, the one, a point that I would make 
is that the Constitution is opaque with regards to um, with regards to what constitutes a, a high crime misdemeanor. And I, I kind of mentioned before, I think I don't know if I said it on the podcast. If I did, I, I retract that. But I think I said this in text before that it was not intended to apply to former officials. That's incorrect. Um, because we did remove a secretary of war in the 19th century um, post-service. And again, based on English common law in 49 out of 50 states, the precedent is there to, to post-service, quote, I, I don't know another term, uh, punish, whatever, a prior official. But it is opaque. Okay, it is vague as far as what actually constitutes that. And I don't think anybody can really dispute that. The framers, they probably were deliberately such because they probably didn't want it to be to become the dictatorship of the 51%. And that's another point that uh, Alan Dershowitz made is that we weaponized this. And I think that's in answer to your query, I think that's what he was getting at with regards to civil rights and a leftist leaning president is Okay, so now basically whichever party has enough votes now is going to be punitive towards a president of the opposite party. That's what impeachment is going to come become. So, I think that was his point in terms of weaponization. So then my question to that is um so we're we're really concerned about this precedent, right? That that you're well, I didn't say that. Well what well, we are, at least Alan Dershowitz is is clearly um Worried about I the precedent. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm asking then. Okay, you're right. Let's just let's let, let me grant you that that you're right. It it does, um, it does violate that. Or um, my question then would be, wouldn't wouldn't or or we be setting this precedent that's so dangerous to civil rights leaders? Wouldn't I say that? Wouldn't the sort of precedent also have evidence attached as to sort of a, um like really what we'll, we will tolerate, right? When we talk about, hey, look, it's going to be used on this saintly left progressive um, president in the future. Um, but, you know, but, but I would say, okay, well, hold on. The maybe if the, the 51% is valid. You're right, but I would say, but isn't the precedent, doesn't the precedent that has been set also have a, some evidence attached to it? Like, hey, this should happen four years for four years. There was the big lie that was told and basically incited violence on his vice president, for God's sake. I mean, that's a pretty specific, you know, like, hey, does this uh, so maybe future? Um, oh, God forbid. AOC is the future president of the United States um, that it's just something she says that they don't like. And now there's an impeachment. Right. I mean, what we're talking about with Donald Trump is pretty fucking specific, right? Well, like <laughs> before the big lie, there was the big lie, okay? And that was the the I mean obviously a a a dossier from Christopher Steele who has been widely discredited um that was paid for shock of all shocks by democratic operatives and you know so th that's what that's what brings me to point number 2 and this is what uh Mr. Dershowitz said is that okay and the democrats played into the Trump defense hands. Now the Trump defense was inadequate, too inadequate to actually make this point. But the the real point that he made was, okay, here's an easy defense for them, is okay, if this 
sort of insurrection instigation was really the case, well then why didn't it happen the first time he made the case? Stop the steal the day of the election. Why didn't it happen a week later and then four days later? You know, so, so because th- you can look at really... human behavior because you needed to get them ramped up enough. The culmination, the climax well, of that the event, the mean? climax of the event is the certification. What's, the what's that? What's the metric? How, how's ramped up enough? I mean, so, I mean, a, a week, a week after the election, they weren't ramped up enough. They weren't so ramped up. They weren't going. ramped up enough to storm the Capitol building. Okay, and that brings me to, to point number three here. No, no, hold and on, I, hold on, hold on. You talked about what is your what is your metric for ramped up? What is your metric for ramped up? Because I've got one. I just point to the sixth. What's okay, your metric that, of ramped up? That's what I'm getting to. That's 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 where I'm getting to what Mr. Dershowitz said and what I I believe here. The Republican defense for Trump was too inadequate to make this defense. But the whole thing was because you can't have it both ways. You can't have it that the impeachment case against him was so damn strong, but then we're going to add extra clauses. No, let's focus on the actual charges. And that was intent to incite all they did. The vast majority, not all, but the majority of what they did was play clips of what he said that day. Aside, you know, they didn't conveniently include the the peaceful, uh, the use of that term, but if it was this long-running intent to incite, okay, they played into their hands because otherwise, you don't think Trump could have summoned his followers to D.C. sooner? Uh, according to you, it's a cult of personality. I'm not saying it's not, but uh, I'm pretty sure if he wanted to, quote, stop the steal, and I have never on this podcast questioned the results of the election. You know that, and I know that. You don't think he could have incited that sooner? I just, I, I don't buy that. Okay, lie better. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely could have incited it sooner. It's it's irrelevant. He It was it happened on it's the 6th. Irrelevant. No, it's not. It doesn't matter. It happened on the 6th. We could sit around and say, well, he could have done it. Yeah, you're right. He could have done it. Uh, that, he could have done it. Good. He could have done it three weeks prior. And he still would have been incitement. It doesn't matter when it happened. It, it doesn't it does matter, matter that it could have happened and he didn't do it. He didn't. He did it on the sixth. Okay. Aside from, again, the Democrats willfully and duplicitously omitted his usage of the term. You're going to let me let me reread this because I have the exact transcript here. I read it earlier. Um, Marching over to Capitol Hill to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Mm -hmm. Now they willfully omitted that clip. I noticed that. That's. You know, if you're if you're that convinced you're right, you don't have to admit the man's words that don't fit your case. Um, and that brings me to, to point number three. OK, so what we're getting at here is. The result. Right. Sure. The result of what he said. And that's my problem here when it comes to the First Amendment, and that's where Alan Dershowitz's problem was. Okay, it being covered by the First Amendment, because what he said in itself, you're getting at the result and not just you, but the broader case against former President Trump is the result of what he said. Okay, but intent does matter. All right. And that's where I come from. And I texted you this. Okay, so if I say if I quote Senate woman. And this has actually been used in a federal case of someone we both served with under threats of terrorism. 
they got falsely accused with of. But if I quote son of a woman and say, I'm going to take a, we need to take a flamethrower to the Louisiana Superdome and nobody does anything, I'm off the hook. But if I say, I'm going to take a flamethrower to the Louisiana Superdome and some jackass goes and does it, oh, so all of a sudden I'm culpable? Last I checked, I've got my own First Amendment rights. So that's my, that's where I kind of hang my hat here. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and another great argument is when Eminem um, was coming up in the early 2000s and they basically wanted to hold him liable for any quote-unquote violence in the name of Eminem, and he had his First Amendment rights to make music and say the most vile shit. You're absolutely I mean, right. I don't want to compare this to art, but, I mean... It it's, fits in a similar vein. People have accused rock and roll artists. I mean, they... they the, 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 um, I want to be careful how I phrase this. Some of the less informed on things called art and... Uh, parody and satire actually took the Rolling Stones seriously with Sympathy for the Devil, the very name of the song. <gasps> Sympathy for the Devil? Well, so, so, and I put, let me, okay, let, sorry, let, me, let me finish this. Okay. Sympathy for the Devil is horrible. Okay. Let's think about this. I rode a tank, held a general's rank, while the Blitzkrieg raged and the body stank. Pleased to meet you. Hope you guessed my name. Do you really think that Mick Jagger, when he penned that lyric, was expressing sympathy for Satan? Or was that satire and blaming him for the worst acts in human history? Okay, I I know that's a, I mean, how do you connect Mick Jagger and Donald Trump other than the fact that Mick Jagger stole Donald Trump's third fiance? Uh, Interesting factoid there. But I... I think what we're getting at here is we don't like the man, we don't like his rhetoric, and the result was terrible. But what if nothing had happened? You and I wouldn't be having this conversation. So is it protected or not? So that's and that's a good question. So I'd ask I would I would um so yeah, so is it protected or not? If nothing had happened, would we not be having this conversation? Yeah, probably not. You're you're absolutely right, because it is protected. And at what point is it not protected, right? So let's say to your flamethrower, um, to your flamethrower I mean, scenario. You've seen of a woman, yeah, right? To, but to your flamethrower analogy. Now, what happens if you um, did that every single day? You gathered a little bit of a following because you're, I don't know, you're a wacky, crazy guy making videos about doing a flamethrower cool. th- flame at the Superdome, Okay. And eventually you you start talking about uh, like, I don't know, um, or there was some sort of historical context um, to you always talking about burning down the Superdome. And I don't know, maybe you, uh, your group of followers that would Drew Brees. Right. So I guess, I guess my point is um, I think I wouldn't hold you an ounce liable if it was the first time you got up in a really hype supercharged environment like the 6th of January um uh you know if that was the first time you'd ever done that and your whoever you were with all burned down the superdome be like well is John culpable I'd be like 
No, I don't think so, John. That's crazy. He said it once. Like it was that I don't, the, I don't know why he would say that. However, it kind of points back to the history of this entire thing. And, and look, I'm not discounting your sort of letter of the law. I'm just saying sometime we have to interpret that law. Or we have to interpret the Constitution, and we do set new precedents. And what happened today, or what ha- has happened in the last several days, has been um, again uh, sort of a Scalia-style interpretation of the First Amendment, and uh, and I and I respect that. I'm I I certainly am glad that there's people that I are willing to do that. Take, but I I'm saying we had a chance. So com- coming back to the injunction, that is America more vulnerable? And I'm going to make the case now that yeah, the, please make your case because I, yeah. I think we got off of that. The acquittal of Donald Trump has made the Republic more vulnerable to this in the future. What I like to call it is the roadmap. So now I know, I know the roadmap. You're so sick of hearing this, but what the Republican conference has done by not acquitting the president or by not convicting the president of the United States has shown that phrase, the roadmap after everything I told you, I said, it's the new roadmap. I'm, I apologize. Oh, um, yeah, that's a new phrase. The, the, the new, bad. the new roadmap or a recipe, yeah. excuse me, or a recipe or a, um, a formula. Yeah. The, it's the formula. If you don't like the, the, the roadmap, we'll call it the formula. It just puts you in a bad yeah. category. Sure. Okay. So the Republican conference, um, has effectively created the formula for a new, more cunning Trump to know exactly what he can do to get the same exact result, if not more devastating. What result? He lost, regardless. Yeah. What yep. result did he get except the destruction of his own career? Think about this. You pointed this out before the election. So, so that up to 90% of the Republican conference still approved of Trump. Today, it's below 80. And I know you go, okay, 90, below 80. Um, I don't know if we've been watching the same trends, but that's a big dip. He's so so done. You, don't, you don't believe that this president has left the country in a worse position than four years ago? That is more that's divisive, that there's more civil unrest, that there that's is more damage done? No, that's the point. That's the that's point. That's not what I just said, That though. guy, as a cult of personality, walked in and made this country a more hateful fearful country with 400 well not to mention covid but 400 plus a thousand americans dead the point is i think that's he a did it of the well he did it well he managed to pit one side of america against another did he do that fuck yeah he did that did donald trump pit america against fuck. america yes. or did he exploit that he sure helped it out okay he sure but helped let's it out. let's get real here donald trump is a symptom America's been ready to hate itself okay, again. Okay, well, and uh, so so guess what? So well, that's the injunction. Yes, the acquittal of Donald Trump has it made it easier. Vulnerable? Has made it easier for someone like that to come in. You're moving the goalposts. I'm not moving any goalposts. What yes, goalposts you are. am I moving? You asked the question: Was is America more vulnerable yes. now? Not that Donald Trump caused these divisions okay yes but donald trump was the one that caused these divisions right he was he is what has made donald trump is a symptom okay so so donald so what you're telling me is that this was that this was bound to happen without by what you're saying is this was bound to happen without donald trump i'm asking you do you think he happened in a vacuum america wasn't ready for this bullshit so what you're saying is that america would have gotten to this place without donald trump 
Well, I don't know if there's QAnon another name ready been, to step in. QAnon would have been created without Donald Trump. The the attachment to the Republican Party to QAnon? this. QAnon? Now, that's a different topic. I'm just saying the acquittal of what the president of the United States did, whether it is dereliction of duty or incitement, it wouldn't have mattered. Either one, they would have acquitted. We worked that back at the beginning of this episode. I said, okay. I said, what? It wouldn't have mattered, and we came to that agreement. It wouldn't have mattered if it was dereliction. It wouldn't have mattered if it was incitement. The fact okay, is, you want to know if another name would fit the role, and I, I, I can't verify that one way or the other. By I mean, acquitting the president, the by acquitting the president of the United States, the precedent has been set that a future Trump, maybe it'll be him in twenty twenty four. Oh God, can that's not going to happen have rhetoric that is that will get to a point like we all pointed out for the last four years to the point where there'll be political violence like on the sixth that was largely incited or instigated or fostered and fomented by the president of the united states there's a roadmap for that now there is a a future smart um, leader in america that's going to exploit the precedent that has been set or maybe maybe that won't happen i mean i certainly hope but I think it's hard I'm to argue. I think, I think it is hard to argue that there it hasn't been made easier by this. Explain to me how we are more strengthened. By I, this I, I'm not saying that we're more strengthened. Okay, or, or, I just, we're just the I, same. We're we're perfectly fine. We're going to move on from this. That in I'm, the future there is not room for a smarter Trump in its his administration, or a smarter leader like Trump, or just a tyrannical leader in general to exploit because now they know exactly how far they can go and they won't be convicted. They know how to play the game. They'll do it faster. They'll do it harder and they'll do it smarter. The country is now at a greater risk for that because now we know what's allowed. We know where the goalposts lie now. And we know certainly over the last year that the Republican conference is willing to keep moving and keep moving the goalposts, especially where their leader, Trump, wanted it to go and it culminated in the acquittal of the president because the letter of the law or whatever the deal was i think we established that doesn't matter um he was acquitted and now the roadmap the, the the formula has been created i mean i would say that's why we're more vulnerable and i don't know how you argue well first that, of all it's like it's it's, it's the irony is that democracy is going to be the the principality to the constitution or the interpretation in this case could actually be the undoing of the republic itself and that would be the irony in in a beautiful really fucked up way it'll be the interpretation of the constitution in cases like this that'll ultimately be the undoing of the republic because we've made it vulnerable more vulnerable because we were so principled to those laws and we were one, unable to bend that's why we're more vulnerable and i'm not I think we need people that are that have the letter of the law, right? Like the arguments that you're making. But I'm saying, at what point do we have to re-examine and be really, really, really okay with the precedent that we've set for the rest of this republic's future? I, I just I have to make a pros and cons list, and I just don't know, especially if this is an impeachment trial. It's very unique. It's not a. It's not a Supreme Court case. It's not a. Um, it's not criminal court. It's very different. So I, I don't know. I, I'm. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm really curious. What I want to hear is, 
how we're I mean, in a better first of, place. First of all, I'm I'm almost nauseous. I'm so dizzy from your own moving of the goalposts here because we've bounced from Scalia uh, and and uh, textualism to Trump making things more vulnerable. I go back to I mean, where do I move the goalposts? I don't I don't have any goalposts to move. I'm just pointing out. No, but the I mean, I mean if, if you want to play this back, we can pause and you can play it back and listen. You, you, you've you've bounced around quite a bit here and I'm, 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 I'm kind of dizzy, but I go back to the point that Trump is a symptom. Okay. Now you're asking me, could another name fill that void? I don't know. I mean, we're talking about one of the more singular characters in American history for better or for worse. It's not that call to make. I think history is not going to judge him so affectionately, but I honestly think the man is a symptom. I think America was ready to hate America again. We love to do that. We were born in bloodshed. We love it. Okay. John, I have a quick question. In medicine, do we treat symptoms with medicine? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> look. All right, I'll let you, you, I'll let you keep going. I, I, I certainly you know what I mean, look, Again, you, you, you're, you're shifting the, the markers here. Like what you asked me was, is America more vulnerable now? And then shifted into, so Donald Trump didn't cause this. No, Donald Trump is a symptom, okay? This started, I told you this numerous episodes ago. This whole thing really, really began, I can't espouse this because I wasn't alive, but Vietnam and Watergate, but in our lifetimes, began with the Bush-Gore election, okay? That's when the polarization really in my mind began, okay? And then it just went forward to, you know, I'm John Kerry and I'm reporting for duty. Yeah, after I get done throwing up, run along. But, you know, th this, this thing has been ready. This whitehead has been ready to burst for a long time. Did Donald Trump help call that forth? I'm sure he did. But to, to place the blame on, on Donald Trump for the hatred in this country, I, I think is asinine. Okay, because he didn't invent the Weatherman Underground. I know y'all don't want to talk about that. He didn't invent the new Black Panther Party. Okay, he didn't invent the Rosenbergs. Okay, he didn't right, well, invent these okay. extremist groups so, on the right. Look, I'm, I'll, I'll stop you there and say, all right, I'll take it back. He didn't create the fear that we see today out of thin air, but it still doesn't change. It does, still doesn't change any of the argument. It doesn't change any of my argument at all. He, yeah, he didn't What's create one? the fear. What's argument? That the America is more vulnerable today because of the acquittal of the former that. president. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I'll I'll acknowledge it. Okay, fine. He uh he didn't create the fear, but he certainly fostered it and took it to a new level, right? I mean, okay. was, was he just like, oh my gosh, well, I can't believe been, that this happened. Politicians have been capitalizing on fear since elections began. Does okay. that constitute high crimes and misdemeanors? Get out of here. Are we willing to accept? that what Donald Trump was part of on the 6th is what we're willing for our elected leaders. Did I, did I say that? I mean, I by what you said in the last, the literally your last sentence is that we would then be like, okay, that that's, okay. that's what, so does what the president have first amendment rights that are covered or not? Because again, Absolutely. you're not talking to, when we talk about Alan Dershowitz, so folks understand here, I'll repeat it again. We're talking about a lifelong leftist who is not a shill for Trump, who campaigned and voted against him twice. It's irrelevant. It is not irrelevant because y'all love playing the academic high ground when it suits you. I don't, but I've now, never, oh, that's I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't, it, I, it could be Harvard. He could be left. He could be right. Those are things about him. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. 
It, it just doesn't. I've never played. I'll write that down for future episodes. I mean, like, you can't I mean, have it's, it both I'm, ways. I'm saying, yeah, he's an expert, okay? He's an expert. I don't care if he's left or right. Yeah, he went to Harvard. That's about the most memorable, most important thing I need to know, I guess, maybe, that he's a smart, he's a smart guy. And he's a constant, like... Other than the Pentagon Papers, which were a pretty I big mean, deal. I mean, look, he's, he knows far more about constitutional law than I do. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, you that. You just, you just discount his opinion out of hand because you don't like it. No, I'm not discounting his opinion. I, I, I am here to say that I get the opinion. What I'm saying is that you can take that stance, but then you've got to be willing for the greater vulnerability to the Republic. And if that's a balance that if that's the balance you're willing to take on that argument, then I'm not, that's your stance to take. I'm just saying, I'm just saying by acquitting this president in the Senate, we have made the Republic more vulnerable to a repeat offender. You know what the problem here is? Because of the incompetence of the House managers and the House impeachment case, we don't even have due process to charge the man with. Okay? You didn't allow the man counsel. You didn't allow defense witnesses. He got impeached in less than 48 hours. My suggestion would be follow due process and use an applicable charge. Okay. What, do you think it would have made a difference? I'm sorry? Do you think it would have made a difference? Does that matter in terms of due process, Nate? Okay. You charged the man with, I mean, in, intent to incite. How do you, how do you prove that? Charge the man with their election and actually allow, get your shit together well, after and the it's, election. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. You talk about, um, you know, I think that probably there would have been an easier case um, in Nate, the House the for their election. Like, for example, when... Um, and, and dereliction, I'm, I agree with you. No, if we want to get down Why? to the brass tacks, dereliction would have been the right one to do. And if we had given it a little bit more time, you know, you'd had the McCarthy tape re- re- revelations where Trump knew what was happening at the Capitol, yet he told, look, Kevin, I guess they just are more concerned about the election than you. I mean, the president knew exactly what was going on. And I think that's what's so frustrating, like emotionally. That's also hearsay. Me. It's like a... All right. You're right. You're right. It is. And, and we shouldn't op- we shouldn't convict someone on hearsay. And we shouldn't okay. convict. My thing is, look, I, 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 I completely agree with you on that. I'm astounded by the fact that a whole week was lost. First of all, we're talking about this now in February, uh, uh, a few hours after the culmination of St. Valentine's Day. A whole week was lost. You charged the man with intent to incite. We're talking about a Congress full of daggum trial lawyers. They know better. The incompetence of the DNC is astounding here. Charge the man with, you know, with misconduct, dereliction of duty. I'm not saying it would have made a difference, but that's not why we pursued due process. But then, you know, you deny the man representation in the House, you convict him without witnesses, and then you expect, I mean, I'm sorry, as a Republican senator, based on the case presented, not because, again, that's not what we do with the law. The law is 10 innocent men go free rather than one you know, or 10 guilty men go free rather than one innocent man go to prison. OK, the law, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what we can prove. Will you present this asinine case? Are, are, are you kidding me? Are you all high? Yeah. Again, we're talking about a body of trial lawyers that can't actually put together a case for for a. Uh, 
beyond intent, yeah. that is a very high bar. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm coming from this entire thing. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a concerned citizen that's watched history repeat himself, itself over and over. And, uh, I'm not. I'm a derelict yeah. fascist. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saddened, quite frankly, that, um, that we're okay. We're okay with what happened, and and that's fine. I mean, that's it's, so. And look, there is nothing in the law that we can use to convict the guy, and that that sucks. I mean, we all knew yeah, it. It's kind of like that, OJ. It's kind of that OJ thing. Where you're like, God damn, we all knew he fucking killed her. I think but, that's inaccurate, and, and it's and it's probably a beautiful um, feature. It really is probably a beautiful I think, feature of, I of there's the a Constitution. Case. So, I I think there is a case that could have been made. I'm just shocked. That the that the intellectual high ground amongst the the duopoly in D.C. failed that that greatly. That's well, the best y'all could come up with. And you know, thank God for all those principled Republicans there sticking to the letter of the law. I, See, I, and Nate, I, that's we the point need I'm them. Here. We need them because they protected really, really the the sanctity of what is our our constitution, <laughs> and it is very important that we should protect that at all costs, especially even if it makes the republic more vulnerable. Um, it's, that's uh, exactly what I was trying to say. I, hey, look, I'm just a, I'm a man that looks at trade-off, risk and reward, um, cost-benefit, risk analysis, and yeah, it's, it's a, uh, I don't know, my, my, it's a very, it's a again, very I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to, and I'm not a lawyer. It's really just more of a vis, visceral feeling. I, I'm not uh, a lawyer either, but I, I, I find it very disconcerting that based on the charges presented, you know, my, my thing is you're, you're a body of trial lawyers and that's the best you can come up with. I'm betting they come up with better against me uh, since I'm nobody, but, but my, my thing here is, this is dangerous. So this, now, because like I said earlier, the result matters is basically what we're saying. And I'm not saying the result doesn't matter, but to make that the, the sum and, and whole of its parts in totality, I mean, so at, at what point do you draw that line? Because it is about, in my mind, not liking this man. And, and you know, you brought that up before. It couldn't, it is, it's just, I, I want to make that really clear and at least extend me that respect because i i also extend the respect on the uh you have said the that first speech yes this is absolutely not about me not liking the president of the united states it's about the future of the republic it could be that could have been obama it could have been yeah. bernie sanders i don't give a shit it's like i also don't give a shit that alan dersowich is a lefty or a righty i don't it's irrelevant it's what he's saying right now it's his track record you would I, care it, if he was a republican and i was quoting him i don't i don't because I don't care that I, – I never once asked about President Trump's trial lawyers, their political affiliations. It's, it's, it's irrelevant to me. So let me, let me ask you – let me ask you – I'm, I'm going to ask you on the record then a quote that I sent you via text of then-candidate Senator Barack Hussein Obama running for president in 08. Get in your neighbor's face. If they bring a knife, you bring a gun. Now, obviously, there was no mass result of killings there. And that's where I'm coming from with me and my Louisiana Superdome argument. Mm -hmm. So because there was no wave of riots and killings, disappeared into the annals of history. Mm -hmm. But what if there had been some just massive, just slaughterhouse five event? 
So Barack Obama's culpable. That's where I'm, I'm going. It, it kind of is about we don't like the guy. It kind of is. Guess, I guess. I know. I think I'd probably. I think I'd probably walk through my same steps, my sort of same rationalizations that I just did with you, with the president, Trump, former I'm president Trump, at right? You. <clears throat> no, but I. But I'm, I'm sort of. I'm sort of embodying you. that viewpoint, right? And it's as if like, um, well, no, we give Obama a pass, right? We give him a pass because he's a black Democrat, right? I didn't say that. No, I'm not. I, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, hmm, let me go back. How many times did I tell you that I, we were, I was pretty nervous about Obama's rhetoric? Like, holy shit, something bad's going to happen. Uh, rhetoric, rhetoric, rhetoric. Uh, like, I didn't recall right? you saying that during our U.S. Right. station together. So... What's that? We both were, we both served together under President Obama and Bethesda. I don't remember you ever. In all fairness, I don't remember you ever us I, either of us saying that actually. No, because there really wasn't a violent sort of fear mongering undertone in rhetoric that Obama presented. So Fair if enough. Obama had said, "Get in your neighbor's face," if they bring a pitchfork, you bring a gun, or whatever the deal is, and there was a huge riot and like all these white people died. I would go, holy shit, what just happened? Like, should we hold Obama accountable for that? But I don't I don't know. It seems kind of crazy. He just said that once. Not not four years of the same vitriol that we all called and why I said literally on our podcast on the sixth, I said, I'm not surprised, but I am shocked. There's no way in that scenario with Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, that I would be able to say, I'm not surprised, but I am shocked. I would say I am thoroughly surprised and I'm thoroughly shocked. I wasn't, I wasn't comparing the two things. I was comparing the, the rhetoric. It's the because... scenario, but that's what I mean. It's the scenario. It's the rhetoric. It's the history. Like it, It's like it, we're just discounting the... four to five years of of that same rhetoric. Like It's it's like, whoop, we just got to take this little snapshot in time and uh, so... and use it for the context. For It, it just, to me, it's... So you honestly believe, and, I, and I'm asking, again, I'm not Donald Trump's lawyer, and to, to folks listening to this, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of folks in the uh, Bakersfield, California area, the New Orleans, Louisiana area, um, the Gulf South, Florida, conservative, non-leftist folks in this country writ large, probably in, in France too, that are disappointed in my lack of a of a visceral, uh, vocal, stringent defense on behalf of the president here. But uh, I want to ask, so you honestly believe that the intent of Donald John Trump, and I'm asking here, not being snarky, you honestly believe that what happened, the violence the smashing of the windows, the death of a police officer, the, the maiming of another, the death of an air, a lady who was an Air Force veteran, uh, one of the, the rioters. You believe that that was his intent? You tell me based on I'm his actions. Hold on, hold on. You tell me based on his actions after it all started happening showed a man who was devastated at what was happening at the Capitol. That's part of the problem. We don't know what he was doing. That's that's. Well, I mean, another... with the with the McCarthy revelation, it. I mean, it really shows us that he didn't give a shit at all. Um, I, I it also wish took he had him. It also testified. he also was tweeting after 
uh, he knew President Vice uh, Vice President Pence, his vice president, was fleeing the building because they wanted to murder and execute the vice president. And he still did do. In fact, he was tweeting. Uh, in sort I of wish support. he had come and appeared. Right. I mean, I'm just saying. We we don't know what's on his heart, but we yeah, sure have a timeline, dude. Like we don't know what's on his heart, and I, I I recognize that. But we sure should have a timeline. I mean, it's pretty I'll, fucking I'll obvious. Say this. I'm just. In I mean, interest, it's it's pretty it's pretty fairness. obvious. In the interest of fairness, and I'm sure, yeah, the I, the, the vitriol I've gotten via messenger in person over the years and in email, you know, I'm a rhino. Yeah, well, you the Republican Party move, not me. So uh, go exploit and delete it yourselves. But with that, I will say that Representative uh, Jaime Raskin, I think he was the lead impeachment manager, Democrat of Maryland. Am I correct? Raskin, yes, correct. Okay. Is it Jaime? Jamie Raskin. Jamie? Okay. I, I, I don't. Um, but yeah, Democrat, Democratic representative of Maryland. He did raise an interesting issue in the sense that, okay, why, why the, I'm trying to remember exactly the way he phrased it, maybe you can help me out here, but he raised the issue of why the delay? You know, why, why, yeah, it's hearsay. We don't really know what Representative McCarthy, supposedly he and uh, supposedly Representative uh, minority Leader, Republican of California, McCarthy, and President Trump got into this this shouting match on the phone. But that's one thing that I, I, I will say is that he, he did raise a good issue there. You know, did you watch his remarks? I mean, I watched, I watched a lot of them. I mean, I, I felt like he was he was fairly sharp. I'm trying to remember. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't write down exactly. God, I watched so much of it. But he he made some interesting points there, and uh, God, I feel kind of embarrassed because I lost my train of thought. But um, you know, he he made some. He was making points he, about the delay, right? Where he was saying, "Why, if it was an incitement, like why wasn't the the president of the United States doing everything he could to stop this? To say, like, listen, I am sorry if you guys misconstrued what I said, but holy shit, this is not what I was talking about. You all need to go home." Go home. Right. Not, oh, hey, you guys, look, we love you. Remember this day forever. We love you. You're very special. Um, that That's that's not, right. the, how the fuck is that normal? Like, right. that's and, not, and then and the delay, and the tweeting after Pence. It's like, well, we just don't know what's on his heart. We just we just certainly don't know. Like, well, right. yeah, we have tweets, timelines. We have all sorts of stuff. You mean to tell me that this is a man that was just devastated that right. his supporters that, Right. To give me a fucking break. And That's that being the point, was it was at. the Republican conference was like, no, nah, we're, we're cool with that. Nah, we're good. No, fine. That's kind of where I was getting at when I made the point. Thank you for connecting the dots there for me. I'm sorry. It's totally fine. It's late. Brain fraud from studying and it's getting late. Um, but that's that's kind of what I was getting at earlier and that I couldn't guarantee you that there would be 17 votes. OK, but based on this charge of intent to incite. Me personally, I mean, I wouldn't vote present simply because everybody would call that cowardice. I would have voted not guilty. If the charge had been, however, if they had connected those dots, like uh, Representative Raskin did, 
it would in terms of dereliction of duty dereliction of your oath of office because the president takes a modified version and so do representatives and senators of what you and i talk when we join the military you know to obey the orders of all officers appointed over us and to defend and support the constitution of the united states it's a very similar oath it's modified mm. but so that that's where to subpoena him, which they didn't, they chose not to. And I'm not saying he would have appeared, but you know what? The Supreme Court could have made him, and I believe they would have. I can't prove that. But have him appear and say, what is it that you were doing during that time? I mean, if you were playing Yahtzee or, you know, if you were playing Halo 5, cool, just tell us. But what is it you were doing when you found out what is it you would say you do here? You know, when you found out that the violence is getting out of hand, you, know, you, you didn't tell him to stand down. I mean, he did say peacefully from the beginning. I quoted him earlier. I read from the speech, okay, twice. But after you found out, me personally, if I gave a speech and I, I used a euphemism like I quoted from Al Pacino's Sin of a Woman, you know, his one Oscar-winning film, tragically enough, um, and that he's only won one, not because of that film. But if I found out two hours after I gave a speech and I joked about, I'm so pissed off about the Saints losing, we need to take a flamethrower to the Superdome. And I went back to my apartment and people were like, Devinny, dude, uh, these guys are taking flamethrowers to the Superdome. My personal response, and I see your point here, and I see Representative Raskin's point, um, I'll be going, whoa, 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 whoa. Guys, that was, that was a euphemism. That was a joke. Like, holy shit. He didn't do that. And that's where I, I connect the dots here and go, if you had charged dereliction, I'm not saying y'all have gotten 17. I think they might have gotten more than seven. We'll never know. And it won't make a damn bit of difference. But you, you yep. see the point, right? I do. I do. So. You you might have gotten you you, you might have gotten a, a Tim Scott. They you might have they might have saw the opportunity to cut from the teat of Trump and make a case to their constituents that they're fucking nuts. So was it a on. conspiracy? Was it a conspiracy? Here you go. Here's your here's your headbanger. Okay. So was it a conspiracy by the Democrats to deliberately mischarge him, knowing that he would get off so that the Republicans would hang themselves by staying on Trump's teeth? Maybe. No, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I do think it was rushed. I do think that played a role, and I think if there was more evidence, they could have used dereliction, and I think probably they're wishing they did. But at the end of the day, I believe that the injunction stands that America is more vulnerable because of the acquittal of former president. Donald Trump. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just haven't heard. I haven't heard. A, I haven't heard an argument that says that for what happened has certainly made it stronger or made it neutral. But anyway, you know, at I the end of the, the we're, we're like we're 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 well over our time, but I think it's an important episode to have. I honestly think that Trump will have several criminal proceedings in the future. Georgia seems to be the one that is the most striking with the potential racketeering and conspiracy charges to overturn an election. I think he should move. 
I think you should probably get the fuck out right now because I think the I Georgia think you one. Move to Monaco. I think the Georgia one is going to be a lot harder to um, to overcome. <sighs> Depends on the, the 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 judiciary that it lands in. What judge and jury? I mean, find eleven thousand plus votes. I don't know. It's going to depend upon how somebody reads that. I I couldn't tell you. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, we're way past the 50-minute mark that you are comfortable with, and Uh, one of us is going to turn into a pumpkin soon. So about the bandwidth, and I got to take a piss. So (laughs) it's weird. You're on a weird date. I know, weird date. All right. Anyway, as always, my friend, it's an honor and a privilege to do this with you week in and week out. This certainly was a Last couple episodes have been pretty raucous and some good lively debate, but I guess that's what y'all like out there, and uh, that's what we we'll continue to do. So, yeah. Uh, but I love you, man. Uh, love you too. And, uh,